Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Cut the Shit. A podcast that takes a closer look at the IT industry, both the good and the bad. My name is Cameron Plato. And I'm Brian Law. And I'm Brian Link. On today's episode, I'm pleased to have Travis Whitmill as my guest. Travis is a vice president of Evolve MGA, a leading cybersecurity insurance agency based in the Bay Area. Evolve is a single line insurer, meaning they only write cybersecurity insurance. And as a master general agent, they work directly with insurance brokers who ultimately sell their insurance to companies. If you're like me, when you think of insurance, you probably don't conjure up images of a startup. More likely, old white guys in ties who barely know how to use a computer. Youth, brash marketing, and tech-driven rapid growth? Not so much. But Evolve isn't your grandfather's insurance company. Started in 2015 by two brothers, Evolve is a true startup that has shaken up the cyber insurance industry with a Silicon Valley-like combination of product innovation and uniquely colorful marketing. Travis and I get into the history of cyber insurance and how the space is changing due to surging demand and increasing and highly public cybersecurity breaches. We'll also get him to tell us about how Evolve got started and how they decided to take their marketing in a decidedly different direction. To finish up, we'll see if we can get Travis to tell us what Evolve has up their sleeve for their next marketing campaign. Enjoy. Travis, welcome to Cut the Shit. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Brian. Happy to be here. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, Where are you today? Looks like you're uh, maybe not in a corporate office. So tell us a little bit about where you are today. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, getting ready for Thanksgiving here and just working out of my my parents' office at the the big house that I grew up in. Um, Grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. I currently live in Atlanta and in Midtown, and that's where we have an office of Evolves there. Gotcha. Well, for the podcast listeners that can't see it, there's a sword over the door um, behind (laughs) Travis. So if I get out of hand, he may have to virtually slice me up with that sword. So we'll be careful with that. Um, I know from from talking recently, you've been doing some traveling. It sounds like you guys have had some company events, I think, recently. Mm-hmm. Um, have you guys been hitting the road a good bit lately in terms of travel to see customers and brokers and stuff? Absolutely. So I've been back on the road now for at least, I'd say, four months or so. It kind of re- you know, ramped up at the end of July and or even beginning of July is when the conferences started coming back around. We had a company retreat in Nashville, which was a lot of fun. A little bit too much drinking, and then some people even tied on the Rolling Stones show. Oh, uh, that was yeah, that was good timing. On, yeah. on the back half of that, I was trying. They were trying to rope me in on that, and I, at that point, I had lost my voice from all the honky tonk. So that was not my cup of tea at that point. But um, yeah, so we've been traveling. Last week, I was in Detroit, Grand Rapids, just moving and grooving. Um, you know, trying to get back out in front of the retail agencies that we haven't seen in a year or so. Gotcha. Well, you, it's funny you mentioned conferences because I had kind of a, a curveball question for you, so it plays right into that. Mm-hmm. What is the strangest giveaway you've ever seen at a conference? We have a weird one. We have an Evolve, uh, like, blowhorn, almost like a, a Viking blowhorn, if you will. And and, and we, we give those away. So it's more of a chalice for drinking, right? Uh, Michael Costello who is, you know, him and Patrick are the two founders of the company. Michael, uh, very eccentric with how to get a rise out of folks at conferences. And it's really played to our advantage because it's a heck of a conversation starter. And uh, so, you know, I would say that's probably the weirdest thing. And it happens to be something we tend to uh, facilitate. Perfect. Well, I think that's uh, that's teeing up for, for a later conversation around marketing for the uh, the folks that are not familiar with your company yet. Absolutely. Um, but with that, let's let's jump into it. Um, we could probably go for a while on uh, on various and sundry uh, 
things we've seen at conferences, but we'll we'll save that for another day. Mm-hmm. Um, to give us to get us started, give us kind of give us a quick thumbnail sketch on your background and kind of how you got started in insurance, and then specifically cyber cybersecurity insurance. My assumption is you did not grow up wanting to be in insurance, but maybe I'm wrong about that. No, you're exactly right. So my father was the fire chief of Jack's Beach Fire Department. My mother ran her own business as a landscape architect. I uh, I was working for Costa Sunglasses, uh, if you're familiar with the, the sunglass yep. brand, when I decided that I was going to go get an MBA from Auburn University. And while I was doing that MBA program is when I came across, you know, Patrick and Michael Costello and a random kind of job opening opportunity there and startup fashion. They were four to five employees out of San Francisco, California. They were looking to grow East Coast presence. I fit the bill on being a salesman that used to sell sunglasses to where cyber insurance is really new. Not many people. I was going to say, it sounds like a perfect fit. Like, I I don't don't know. It was hilarious because during the interview process, I was telling them, I'm like, look, what's the difference of me taking a cyber product to retail agencies as opposed to me taking sunglasses to retail shops? Uh, it's the same concept. Teach me the product. I'll get good at it and, and we'll be rolling. And so they took a chance on me. I finished the MBA program at Auburn. I uh, was living in California where I slept on Patrick's couch for about three months because we didn't have the budget at the time to uh, to house me. And then I moved right back to South Florida where I did my undergrad degree at Florida Atlantic University. And that was five years ago now. So since then, we've been rocking and rolling. Company's been around for maybe six and a half, seven years. I jumped on a year, year and a half in, and that's that's kind of the story of how I got into the insurance industry. Well, that's that's perfect. So it feeds in. Tell us, you know, the company's Evolve MGA. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit about the company. You've given us a little bit of background, but give us a little more kind of the origin story and sort of the what uh, around what is it that that Evolve does today. Yeah, yeah. So. The company was founded by two brothers, uh, Patrick and Michael Costello. Their father, Brian Costello, was he was second generation insurance. Patrick and Michael were both third generation insurance. Uh, their father started a retail insurance agency out of the San Francisco Bay Area, Marin County, and basically raised them both in insurance. They all knew that that was the route they were going, unlike me, like we just discussed. And sure enough, Michael Costello went and worked at Lloyd's of London for a few years after he graduated school. While he was over there, made really good relationships with a number of the different, you know, cyber markets and was able to structure a deal with the help of not only Patrick, but Brian to where we were able to then gain access to a really competitive cyber program. And essentially what we did is we took that cyber product from London to the United States. And when you look at What we do, especially in the early years, cyber was so foreign to so many retail agencies and quite frankly, still is. I was going to say still is, right? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But imagine five, six, seven years ago, right? And so when you look at what we really focused on, we focused on education. You know, we just held a cyber sales academy in Dallas where we flew out agents all across the United States to come out and actually train with us. And... Uh, there was a, a number they threw out that we've done like over 12,000 educational meetings with clients over the entirety of Evolve's career. So really what we focused on was education, delivering a really quality insurance product, broad coverages, all-encompassing, et cetera, and delivering that in a way that 
people could digest, understand what we were trying to bring to the table, and then go out and convey those exposures and coverages to their clients to try to help them understand what cyber liability was, especially six, seven years ago. Got it. So at this point, so in the beginning, it was just cyber insurance. Is it still just cyber insurance or have you guys gotten into other lines? So we're still just a cyber specialist MGA. We focus on a commercial product, cyber liability product, and that is the sole product that we we have underwriting authority on behalf of. Okay. So, so real quick for the audience, this is not an insurance audience, right? This would be a general business and IT audience. What is an MGA? Help us understand that. Yep. Managing general agent. Right, which means that our capacity structure, which is a Lloyd's of London back product, uh, they assume risk in the sense that they collect portions of the premium, they pay out for the damages. We're the managing general agent in the sense that we are doing the underwriting on behalf of our backing. Uh, therefore, we're writing the risk, if you will. Got it. So a typical agent in a in a you know, a guy who's an insurance agent down the street from my house who sells homeowners insurance, he doesn't underwrite the risk, right? He finds, he's pretty much a producer, right? He finds the client, but then Travelers or Liberty Mutual or somebody else does it all, right? In, in the sense of, of, the, of the risk piece. So the, uh, an MGA takes a piece of that work off of the insurance provider, I guess, or carrier. Is that right? Yep, you're exactly right. You're okay. exactly right. So, you know, I would work with the retail agency, which the producer works for. And in a lot of cases, we help them sell the cyber policy to their client because uh, they bring us in as the expert in, in the matter. So you sell to other agents. You don't sell directly to you. You might help your agents, but ultimately agents are your customer. You're or, exactly right. I guess wait, yeah, sort of an indirect chain. But yes, right. I think I that's what I say it retail agencies all across the United States. Got it. And these I'm assuming are independent agents who are selling other products, business insurance, whatever it might be, hazard, you know, all that stuff, right? Absolutely. So that's that's the target audience. We primarily work with larger retail agencies uh, that are scattered all throughout the U.S. Uh, in some cases, we dip into some of the top 10 agencies in the world, you know, the hubs, the accreshers, et cetera, Alliance. Uh, and in other cases, you know, majority of our bread and butter is going to be that that middle market retail agency that has a strong regional presence. That's where we're going to do most of our damage with. Well, I know a weird insurance fact uh, based on where I sit today. I'm in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which is the home of BB&T, a large bank that early on got into the retail insurance industry uh, and bought up independent agencies all over the country. And at one point, they were in the top 10 largest independent insurance agencies in the world. I don't know if that's still the case, but it was one of those things that was unusual at the time um, because most uh, commercial banks were not doing that. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And their insurance division actually rebranded as McGriff. And McGriff is still one of the top players in the space. We work with McGriff offices all over the United States. So you can give me a little gold star later for that <clears throat> insider base. Impressed, Brian, I'm yeah, impressed. exactly. I, I do my best. I do my best, Travis. So, so you mentioned early on, um, you know, five or six employees <clears throat> in the early days. Where what's what's growth been like for Evolve as we sit here in 2021? Yeah. I couldn't even tell you the multiples on the the, the, the premium volume that we're at um, from where it was, but we were a couple hundred thousand dollars in premium back when I started. Now we're in the tens of 20s and 30s and 40s and millions of dollars in premium, right? Uh, so that's been tremendous growth from there. Growth from there. But now we're sitting, we sit right around 50, 55 employees. Um, you throw a few interns in there, we might be closer to 60, right? 
but that's kind of where we've grown. I mean, it's been it's been a heck of a ride going from five to fifty. A lot of ups, a lot of downs, right? As you kind of figure out your identity, yeah. and 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 that's been a unique way to experience things. Uh, but we sit strong right around fifty employees. I'd say is is where we hover. Gotcha. Well, that's a great growth story. Um, since since I mentioned earlier, right? This is not an insurance audience. It, we want to try to you know you've got knowledge that I think could be really beneficial to the folks that listen to this podcast. <clears throat> particularly as it relates as relates to what this what this whole thing is in terms of cybersecurity insurance. So take us back a little, give us a little history on it. We know it's a you know it's a fairly I mean in the insurance world it's a brand new product. Uh, maybe 25 years old, I, I'm guessing. Uh, give us a little bit of a history just quickly on sort of where it came from and and what what that looks like. Yeah, of course. So when you really look at it, it all started with privacy liability in the sense that Companies were concerned that they were going to lose sensitive information that they were holding on a client's behalf. And when you look at it, I forget the year and I forget the actual name of the uh, the rule and regulation that went into place, but it was based out of California. And basically, California was the first state to adopt privacy regulations and rules. And so what they came about with was the fact that if you're going to be a company and you lose sensitive information on a client's behalf or a third party's behalf, you are now required by the state of California to notify those affected individuals. So because of that, every single state began to follow suit. And all of a sudden, I think Alabama, correct me if I'm wrong, was the last state to adopt that maybe a few years back, four or five years ago now. And since then, what you've seen is kind of evolution of cyber. It was privacy liability, then it was network security liability in the event that you pass malicious software off to that third party and are now being sued for doing so. And then when you got into, you know, 2010 to where we're kind of now, you started seeing the evolution of first party coverages being more relevant than the third party coverages of the past. You get to today. And what do I mean by that? Let me clarify. Yeah, as I'll say, give us first party versus third. Remember, we're, we're going to have to kind of keep this <clears throat> at the elementary school level for for me, so for sure. sure. So we can, get, we can get very elementary if we need to. So. First party coverages are costs coming directly out of your pocket in the sense that you're experiencing a cyber event, you are now having to pay a ransom demand, or you got tricked into wiring money into a fraudulent okay. third party bank account. Third party is in the event that you are being sued for doing something incorrectly, stemming from that cyber event, whether that's passing malicious software off to that third party, or whether that's losing sensitive information that you are holding on a third party's behalf, the third party liability component is you're being sued for doing so. So is regulatory remediation that might be required considered third party? So like if you've got to notify everybody and buy uh, a year's worth of identity insurance for for, uh, you know, customers whose information you lost, is that third party as well or is that first? That's actually going to be first because, again, okay. that's more you're notifying costs coming out of your pocket. OK, more settlement and defense costs. OK, right? I got gotcha. you that third party component. Gotcha. And so when you fast forward to today, where we're currently at, the reality is, is uh, Evolve's losses last year in 2020, 96% of our losses were first party related costs. So it is drastically flip-flopped uh, in the sense that majority of our losses are first party related. It's ransomware, it's social engineering, funds transfer fraud. It's a number of those types of losses as opposed to lawsuits derived focused on our insureds from passing malicious software, losing sensitive information, et cetera. Gotcha. That's the okay. current state as to where the losses are at least at. 
So that, that, that brings me to the next question, you know, from what I can tell and talking and watching the news, it seems like the last year or two in particular have just been crazy in terms of breaches. Now, media coverage isn't, you know, it's not a, it's not necessarily reality, right? You see the big, you see the big headlines, but what's that been like for you guys and for the carriers? Am I, am I right in that sense uh, of, of what's been happening from a breach perspective? No question. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We're, we've seen losses drastically increased starting in 2020. A lot of that, you know, began with the remote working activity stemming from COVID-19, a lot of remote connectivity to the, the network exposures that hackers were able to pinpoint different vulnerabilities and take advantage of, of commercial clients and that function. Uh, but really, this year, it hasn't slowed down at all. Uh, in fact, you know, at Evolve, we hit uh, the number of losses or claims, for example, that we saw in 2020 at the very end of Q3. So we're, we're seeing more losses this year than we did in previous. And really, the hockey stick growth began in 2020 um, and partially the remote working activity. But a, a number that I love to use is the 2020 FBI Internet Crimes Report stated that there were 792,000 complaints filed to the FBI in 2020. And that was a 69% increase in complaints filed to the FBI from 2019 to 2020. Uh, And we're anticipating those numbers to probably look worse in 2021. So you can start to see, you know, that all leads to almost a doubling from 19 to 20, and then perhaps almost a doubling or or somewhere in that range again in, in, in 21. Exactly. And based off of claims volume that we're seeing, we could see it. We could see it being very relevant uh, when you when it all stacks up by the end of this year. So so that leads to, you know, sort of the obvious question, right? Insurance uh, insurance carriers are in the business of making money. And the way you want to make money at the very least is to break even on uh, premiums paid versus losses paid out. Right. Maybe you make money on your investments uh, on the in between. What uh, you know, we're hearing that it's getting tougher to get cyber insurance, and that if you do have it, it's getting tougher to get renewed. Is that is that the case? Exactly. Uh, right now, rate increases range from anywhere to fifty to seventy percent. And that's a that's for someone who's doing everything right, or is that just any? Does it make any difference? It really ranges. You know, if you have really strong controls like endpoint detection and response, multi-factor authentication, we can touch on those in further depth. Yeah. But, you know, when you have really good controls in place, you're still getting 40 percent rate. It's just what it is right now. So basically it's underpriced relative to, to claims activity. I mean, is that is that fair? I mean, you know, that, that'd be that's the way an insurance person would describe it, I would say. Yeah. Right? And that's how I'm <laughs> going to describe it, right? I don't think your customers, they probably don't enjoy that too much, but that would be, the that'd be I would assume, the way you'd, the, the diagnosis anyway. And it's, it's because how did insurance, cyber insurance carriers, markets, whatever you want to call them, what did they, how did they stay competitive over the last 10 years? You had to be the quickest, the cheapest, the broadest coverage, and the, the, the less comprehensive app, least comprehensive app out there, application uh, to complete. So if you could embody all of that, you probably wrote a lot of business over the last five to 10 years. And then November of last year, this time last year is really when the wheels fell off. Everyone was looking at the total losses they experienced throughout 2020, and they go, holy cow, we took on some of the worst losses we've ever seen in this industry. We know everything's underpriced because we've had to price it there to stay competitive with the market. And then what happened in 2021, Q1, is you just saw it explode. 
in the sense that every market started getting 25, maybe 30%. Then he got into Q2. For example, Evolve, we were kind of able to keep the 25 to 30% rate increases through the front half of this year, but then Q3 is when it really just started. It was more 30, 50%. And right now we're we're 40 to 70% pretty consistently on rate increases. And then it's also become harder to qualify for coverage. So, so, so the oh shit moment was real when it came to uh, when it came to the rates. Absolutely, absolutely. So, what are um, you know what what does a business owner need to understand about cyber insurance, cybersecurity insurance that that you don't think they really get today? What is it? What is it you're seeing out there at the not, not the agent, although I, I'd say it's probably reflected some in the agent, the the, the retail agent as well. But at the end you know, the end customer level, what is it that the business owner in your mind doesn't get that they really need to understand about this, about this product? It's, it's more just trying to get them to understand that truly every business has some form of an exposure. You know, if, if you're a barbershop that takes cash, right. And that is your line of business, then good for you. Rock right. on. You don't need cybersecurity insurance. <laughs> I'm not right. going to sit there and, and, and try to force it down your throat. But now if you're a, you know, a, a barbershop that takes credit cards, has an online presence, has, you know, online appointment capabilities, and it's such a simple risk, you still have some form of a exposure, right? And so really the, the, the biggest issue we have is, is conveying a message that is strong enough to get through the retail agency that we're training, and then for them to feel comfortable enough to go out and then explain cyber insurance properly to their client. And it's really just, Every industry has a different exposure. Manufacturing, what's their biggest exposure? Business interruption. If you're going to be unoperable for an average of 14 days, let's say, from a ransomware attack, well, holy cow, you're in trouble from a lost income perspective. If you're an online retailer, you also have tremendous right business interruption exposures. Now, if you're a real estate entity that's doing a lot of volumes of wire transfers, then your exposure is more funds transfer fraud. So it's really just getting agents comfortable to explain to their clients that every entity truly has an exposure. It may not just be black and white for all industries, but it, it's getting you know that message across and conveying that in a way that's simple enough for them to understand and, and digest. So Obviously, we are an IT services company, and that's our focus here. So let's talk a little bit about. I mean, and these are these are so overlapping that it's almost impossible to separate, right? But when you, you mentioned earlier some controls, some good controls, endpoint management, and uh, multi-factor authentication, a couple things. What what are you guys looking for, and what do you incur? What are you trying to help your agents talk to customers about in terms of what are the things that they need to do to try to have those good controls where? You can you can qualify for insurance, or if you at least if you currently have it, you can get renewed even if you may have to pay more. Yeah, the 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 onus has been put back on the insured over this last year. It's become incredibly obvious. It, it doesn't matter if you're working with a Chub, a Travelers, a Beasley is another big market that you see in cyber, an Evolve. There's all these different markets. Applications have gotten longer, and what are they looking for? They are looking for controls. It's that simple. And if you don't have certain controls, there's markets like Travelers, for example, that if you don't have MFA, multi-factor authentication, you can't qualify for renewal terms or even new business. So they took one of the hardest stances we saw in the industry where they're going, we're wiping our hands clean of these types of risks that don't have one basic control that we think is necessary. 
So sort of a minimum standard from their perspective. Exactly. And that was a big move because Travelers is one of the largest players in the space from an admitted basis, from a standard market basis. And so to make a move that drastic, they had to have shed millions and millions and millions of premium. But they view it necessary uh, in the sense that this is where losses are heading, et cetera. Well, they were going to, you know, if they they were going to use the old Silicon Valley mantra, right, where we're going to make a loss on every policy and make it up on volume, they weren't going to go that route. And there's markets that do that to get the ground, you know. The- sure, sure. You buy, you know, you buy market share sometimes, right? I mean, that's a strategy. Exactly. And then they just jack the rates up. So we right. see that every new entrant really takes kind of a similar fashion of a role there. And they, they grab market share like that. But controls that we're looking for on a consistent basis. And, and let me clarify, Evolve MGA primarily focuses on company with gross revenues of 100, 150 million in revenue down. That's more our sweet spot. We're more that smaller to middle market play. Minimum controls that we need to see is antivirus software, firewalls, backups of some form in a daily fashion. So we like to see offline daily backups is what we love. If you have multiple formats of backups, the better, right? So if you have offline backups, cloud-based backups, local backups, you name it, that's great. We want to see different formats of backups, um, really, so we can avoid paying ransom demands of different. Sure, sure. You can always roll back and you get around it, right? I mean, that's exactly. the, that's the best way to cut that off at the knees. Exactly, and you you could speak to that probably even more technical than I could. But those are some of the basics that we look for now to avoid higher rate increases. That's when we're looking for things like multi-factor authentication. EDR, endpoint detection and response, is something we like to see. Vulnerability scans, penetration tests that are done, you know, at least once a year if you're more of a 100, 150 million in revenue firm. We love to see those types of best practices. Employee awareness trainings. You know, majority, a, a healthy majority of our losses stem from human error. Sure. Clicking on hyperlinks, wiring money out the front door, not doing their due diligence, et cetera. And I know I'm beating a dead horse by saying that, but the reality is, is those are some of the controls that we see on our end, or at least we we want to see on our end out of our insureds. And in a lot of cases, we even give them resources to do some of those things. It's just they don't take advantage of them. Sure, sure. And that's a cost, right? It's a cost of both hard cost and soft cost associated with compliant. Because at the end of the day, I mean, obviously, we're, we're, we, we think, most of the things you guys are asking for are things every business ought to have. Um, having said that, it's not free um, in terms of time and money, right? And so that's where uh, that's where the you know sort of the I guess that's the rub, if you will. Um, are there particular you know are you guys seeing or as evolve thinking about this? Are you seeing other carriers get into um, you know looking for people to embrace? you know, CIS protocols or NIST standards or anything like that? Or is that kind of maybe a, a bridge too far? You're not quite there yet. I would say we're not quite there yet, um, at least on our end where we're focusing. Um, I could see that on the horizon, right? As far as things that we need to, um, as, as far as there's no doubt that that could be down the pipeline there uh, in, in regards to where that'll be. But as of now, it, I'm not seeing that as, as requirements or, or things that, that people are, are on the underwriting side are requiring, looking for quite yet. Got it. Not a bad thing to have, but no one's no one's requiring it. You're exactly right. Brian, question for you though, if I can turn the table a little. Bit. Sure. You know, I spoke to certain IT, you know, cybersecurity controls that we like to see, you know, what are you guys doing on your end 
um, as far as maybe security controls and and recommendations to your clients, best practices. I'd love to learn from what you're doing as well. Yeah, sure. So you know, we're again, we're not a we're not an MSSP. We're not a security shop, but we do you know full service IT security. I mean, IT support, uh, particularly around network, cloud, and end user support. So there's security woven through all of that, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you can't be a good a service provider and not help someone stay secure because at the end of the day, you can't run your business if it's not secure. So, you know, we're really, we, we've adopted a very strong zero trust model in our own shop in terms of the way we interact with all of our, uh, you know, with, with our systems and services. Um, you know, we sell um, as part and parcel of what we do, uh, you know, endpoint detection, um, you know, remote uh, management monitoring of devices, uh, we have a partner that does vulnerability vulnerability scans and penetration tests, and then we'll remediate on the back of that. Gotcha. Uh, we've got partners that do kind of uh, you know SOC as a service, so Security Operations Center as a service. Again, we don't do that service ourselves, but you know a company like Arctic Wolf is a good partner of ours, and they do a good job with that. Um, we're we're a strong Microsoft shop, and Microsoft has done a really good job investing in security services, kind of inside the 365 space. Uh, so they're you know they've really what they call the modern workplace. They have really uh, you know kind of doubled down on um, what 365 can do in terms of helping support a remote worker. And part of that is is making a secure uh, you know security part of that, so that the things you were just talking about, you can help mitigate losses. Or, or head them off at the pass, if you will, on the front end by making sure that you have good uh, good protocols in place so that people are verified logging into a device. When they access the network, uh, we're able to know who they are. Uh, and then we've got, uh, you know, we're looking at anti-phishing, uh, again, partners to try to help with education and awareness because phishing is probably the most difficult because it's, it's the human. It's the human aspect of it. You, it doesn't matter what technology you've got. You can't stop someone. I mean, email is by nature an open system, right? I mean, you can send an email. If I've got your email address, I can send it to you. Maybe it will get flagged if it's marked as spam, maybe not. The internet the other is the other side of it. I mean, one of the things we don't talk about much in the space is the internet is by nature an open protocol-oriented system. It's built that way. It's not built to be secure. We are trying to do secure things inside something that wasn't built to do that. So we're having to re-engineer workarounds, all those sorts of things. So inside the network cloud and end user support side, we're looking for ways to sort of bake it in um, rather than back to, hey, we'll sell you a whatever. We want to offer secure cloud services, right? And so it's part of that solution. So that's that's probably more of an advertisement, but those are, it, it's really, it kind of cuts across all the areas. I mean, you can't, you can't avoid it and not that you want to, but I mean, it's just inherent really in all of the services. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a unique way to view the internet. I like that, uh, that metaphor there. It's a little scary. Uh, I mean, when I was a CIO previously, I remember my, my CEO asking me, he's like, you know, how likely, you know, what's, what's the likelihood of us getting hit with, you know, with a breach or something? I said, probably a hundred percent. And he's like, wait, what? And I said, (laughs) yeah, there's no, unless you want to get off the internet and take everybody's computers away, there's really no way for us to completely avoid this. We can mitigate our risk, but we can't, eliminate it. And those are, I think that's where insurance, that's the whole game of insurance. It's just like you build a house, you buy homeowner's insurance in case of a fire. Well, you put sprinklers in, you don't want the house to burn down, but sprinklers is too, if the sprinklers go off, there's already a fire, right? So you're going to get some damage from that anyway. You're trying to prevent bigger damage. That's a mitigation strategy, not an elimination strategy. So uh, that's kind of how I sort of think about it in the context of the internet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So 
we've had we've kind of gone for a little bit. I've I've made you kind of dig deep a little on insurance and do some teaching, which we appreciate. Um, but to to kind of finish up, let's uh let's talk a little marketing because you know I got I got connected to you guys through a buddy of mine who's an agent uh, who works with you guys. And, and he said, Hey man, you got to check out their marketing and I'm not in the insurance agents in, you know, industry. So I had no idea what he was talking about. So I go to the website and, um, you know, pull up some of the videos and just, you know, busted out laughing both at the cleverness and the humor, but also what you were doing, the, the, the educational way you use that to explain, Hey, here's what cyber insurance actually is guys. And here's what, here are what, here's what the risks really are. So, you know, to me, you got the best marketing in the insurance business, hands down. Flow from Aggressive or Jake from State Farm—they don't have anything on you guys. So, tell me a little bit. Of, tell me a little bit about how you guys. It's so irreverent. How did you guys get there? You know, it's what the the, the mindset and logic behind it is is honestly brilliant because Michael and Patrick Costello both have incredibly marketing geared minds and and working with them back when there was four to five employees when we initially came out with that what is cyber insurance video which you can find at evolvemga.com and you will probably and please go watch it go watch yeah. it guys and watch it a second time because there may be some things you miss <laughs> yeah yeah I, I can still watch it on my thousandth time and 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 still catch a, an item or two that i think is just laugh out loud funny but uh you know, they very brilliant on the marketing side of things. And so when you look at what their 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 goal was with that video is we need to create something because the insurance industry gets not only gets a reputation of being old, dusty, outdated. I cannot tell you how many retail insurance agency shops that I walk into where there's dead game all over the walls, right? So it's it's very relevant in the sense that it's somewhat of an outdated industry. It's a boys club. It's it's uh, men in their late 50s, early 60s sitting on books of business. Anyways, so they came up with an idea. We need to ruffle the feathers. You know, we need to create some kind of shake things up. Yeah. Exactly. Shake things up. And the idea was it was awesome because they created this video. What is cyber insurance that had some pretty aggressive, you know, humor in it. Um whether it's the whipping scene with the ball gag, just as a little teaser, or a little kid using profanity, uh, it was it was slightly aggressive. And I remember, you know, one of the first things I did when I got there was I started putting thousands of emails addresses together and just started marketing this to everyone in their under the sun. And we started getting crazy responses, just, oh my God, this is the funniest thing we have ever seen in our entire lives. And then we had tracking software with like Yesware, I think was who we used back in the day. And it started showing this viral effect of just an agent receives it, laughs out loud, sends it to three other people that then open up the same link, who then send it to another office here. And the brilliance behind it, like I said, is just the fact that it got our name out there when no one knew us outside of San Francisco, California. Uh, and so it was awesome. The, the concepts of trying to make fun of, you know, the hacking and, and, and the current exposures that we see like social engineering, et cetera, really uh, not only provide the educational content that you need for someone to digest it and someone to, you know, get a little bit of humor out of it, but it also, it, it drove as a huge way from a marketing perspective to get our name out there. And really, you know, I walk into meetings to this day where I walk in, they go, that's the first thing out of their mouth, Brian. 
Your oh, videos sure. are hysterical. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. Yeah. I mean, you've made a name for yourself now, right? Now, you've set the bar high, though. I mean, what's where do you go from here? What's next? Um, any hints for us? I mean, we're not in space, so you can you can tell us. It's just little old IT folks. So. Hey, of course, you know, it, 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 it all depends on the new types of hacks we're seeing, you know, as things continue to grow and, and the industry continues to expand. And, you know, right now, something that would be interesting and is, is we're seeing a lot of supply chain hacks, right, where they hack a managed service provider, hackers, and then pass malicious software off to all of their clients. The Kaseya. Oh, the Kaseya was a big one. Trust me, that was a shot across the bow for the folks in our industry, for sure. No doubt, right? So we're seeing a lot of losses like that. We've already done one on ransomware, social engineering, et cetera. Supply chain maybe could be the next one, depending on uh, if, if, if that continues to grow like everybody thinks it will. Um, so I think it's uh, it's such an emerging industry that I think the content and the juices are, are continuously flowing on our end, at least. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's excellent. Well, uh, we like to wrap up um, every session with a little something personal. So um, for today, we'll start out with one that's kind of a sort of a, maybe a little nerdy NPR type question. So bear with me on that one. And then we'll get to we'll wrap up with something that's maybe a little more since uh, since I know where you went to NBA school, maybe it'd be a little more relevant. But um, what's something you've watched or read lately that you think others ought to check out? Uh, I am in the middle of Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. And I, I like audiobooks because I'm constantly flying and, and constantly driving. So I throw on audiobooks. But Green Lights is Matthew McConaughey's book, and he narrates it himself. So if you're a McConaughey fan, I just got through the all right, all right, all right explanation <laughs> by him. And he's talking about his, uh, what was it, dazed and confused days. Gotcha. So anyways, that is one I'm, I'm watching or listening to right now that I think uh, I recommend. And one other one I'll throw out there is the book called Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Mm-hmm. I've read it. Yep. Yeah. He, so he was the founder of Nike and we did it's a great story. Yeah. Oh, such a cool story. And he did a, uh, we did our Nashville company retreat on the basis of using that as kind of a metaphor as to similarities on how we grew and things along those lines. And then they all, uh, one of the, the parting gifts of the retreats, everybody got a pair of like the Nike trailblazers or something like that. Gotcha. Not a big shoe guy, but uh, you know, I was pretty fired up about it. Fit with the theme, fit with the theme too, right? Yeah, exactly. Perfect. So those two would be my recommendations because those are both within the last few months. Gotcha. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, last question. Uh, since we're recording this for the season ends, give us your prediction. Who are going to be the four teams in the college football playoff this year? Oh. Well, Auburn's definitely out of it. I think Bama sneaks in. I think Georgia sneaks in. The way Ohio State just whooped up on Michigan State last week, I think they they've got to go. Who am I missing from there? So that's three. Is Cincinnati going to get in? Do you think they're going to? Are they going to be the first non-power five in the top four? You know, I'm so biased being an SEC brat that I typically rub people the wrong way when I when I actually give my opinion. I, I think they'll get their ass kicked by Bama. I just do. <laughs> I, 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 have, I think everybody has that doubt, and that's why they're not ranked higher. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a war of attrition. You know, are they going to – does someone like Oklahoma State, are they able to back in if they keep winning out and then beat Oklahoma in the, uh, you know, in the Big 12? Well, I guess they'll, they'll play. they got to play last game of the season. So um, we'll find out where they are, uh, you know, in a week or so. Yeah, it's tough because, you know, like, uh, Oklahoma, one of my best friends is at a Raleigh, and uh, he's a diehard Sooner. And every year it's just, in my year, you know, Baker Mayfield's going to do it. 
Kyler Murray is going to do it. This year, they can't even figure out their quarterback situation, you know. It's just the Big 12 doesn't have that much competition. So, you know, it's, it, again, it, it, if you're a one-loss Big 12 team, you're probably not getting in. Whereas if you're a one-loss even – I beg, beg to say that if Bama were to lose a nail-biter to Georgia – they might even squeak in still. It, it, I think it's. I think it's certainly possible for sure. You know, um, so, I don't know. It, it, I mean, Georgia has looked so good this year that if someone takes them to the brink, you'd have to think. You know, maybe maybe we'd like to see those two play again. Kind of a. It, you know, I think it need to be that kind of a game. Um, you know, the same way that you know the national championship was a few years ago when they played, um, where really Georgia felt like gave the game away, um, but. You know, still that comeback in OT was unbelievable. Uh, anyway, we, we we could go down the. I mean, I, I'm not an SEC guy, but I've grown up. Slope. Yeah, I've grown up in the South. Spent my whole college football is where it's at. So Saturdays are what uh, you know what matter to me, not Sundays. That's a minority depending uh, minority opinion opinion depending on where you live. But uh, no for doubt. me, certainly the case. Well, well, Travis, we'll wrap it there and let you get back to work. Um, thanks so much for taking some time to come on, cut the shit. We really appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about cybersecurity insurance. Absolutely. Brian, thank you so much for having me. Uh, We'll stay in touch. And if there's anything I can do for you guys, by all means, please let me know. Cut the Shit is brought to you by Plow Networks and is produced by Talia DiDomenico and Emily Starnes. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, we'd be most grateful if you would share it with others who you think might be interested in hearing a somewhat irreverent take on the arcane world of IT. If you aren't enjoying it, well, why are you listening? You can find links to this podcast on our website at plow.net, on our YouTube and Instagram feeds, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, LinkedIn, and probably a bunch of other places too. Or as my kids like to say, just Google that shit. You'll find it for sure. Take care and have a great day.